0: It's the Pete, Matt and Kimber podcast for ABC Blinds October sale on now.
1: Hi, welcome to the podcast. Hello, welcome to the podcast. You know, it was really lovely to see you guys here for the podcast. Oh, um, and you. This is quite the podcast. And mm. um, We want to know what was in your bedroom growing up, particularly mm. in your second drawer.
2: <laughs> no, Lots that, of not when
3: you're growing up. No. Oh. Second drawer stuff is for adults.
2: Oh. Although I, I know I know what my bedroom smelt like because I remember my mum walking in once and breathing in and almost dry retching, really, and the
1: smell of sneakers that and socks. Old? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, just, yeah just happy musty. memories, great times, great times, musty. Great. Day. Um, we go we dive into the maximum one hundred. Oh, I'm furious. Kimber wasn't number one. Mm, me too.
3: Yeah, I I think that you you said that it's not just about people being hot, that it's about them being influential, but it seems coincidental that a lot of the people in the list are also
2: hot. Yeah, it does help. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, What a week. What a week. Oh, it's a ripper this week, Maddie. The song's great. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoy
1: Uh, it. Well done. Anything with the ukulele, thank you very much. Um, And what's it like to fall from the sky from the moment you jump out of the aeroplane expecting your parachute open? And it doesn't. Yeah. And you hit the ground and live to tell the tale. Extraordinary. Uh, all that and more in this podcast. Bye bye.
3: What's it like to go bankrupt? What's it like to have an arranged marriage?
1: What's it like to be blind from birth?
3: What's it like to be on
0: death row? What's it like to be a dominatrix?
1: What's it like to be polyamorous? What's it like? What's it like? What's it like? Today's what's it like? We'll leave you with goosebumps. Yeah. To say the least. Um, what's it like to fall from the sky? literally and live through the experience. And this is the girl who fell from the sky, an extraordinary true story of resilience, courage, hope and finding lightness after the heaviest of landings. It is a book, it's out now and it's about Emma Carey who made headlines in 2013 after she and a friend traveled to Europe and decided to go skydiving while in Switzerland. Hi Emma. Hello. Hi. Emma. Dax. Emma, thank you so much for your time and all we can really say is just... Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Just wow. <laughs> wow.
3: Cannot put the book down, Emma. I'm astounded oh, by what has oh, that's so nice. happened to you. I mean, I guess we have to summarise it by saying you fell from the sky and you were completely conscious when you landed. Can When you reflect back on those moments of when you first landed do you even recall the same emotions or feelings or pain that you had at the time?
0: Yeah, as you said, I wasn't uh, knocked unconscious at all. So I can remember the whole thing perfectly. And I remember three distinct feelings. And it's so weird because it would have only happened over the course of a few seconds. But it's like in that moment, time didn't exist as it normally does because I had so many different thoughts in such a short amount of time. Mm. So I remember firstly just, being in complete shock because you know, a skydiving accident just seems so surreal. I just remember thinking as if I was just in a skydiving accident, like yeah. that that doesn't happen in real life. And then the next thing I remember thinking, well, feeling is just the most immense pain throughout my entire body. Um, I didn't even know where it was coming from. It's just I've never experienced anything like it. It was so unbearable. And then the next thing is I tried to uh, roll over to get the instructor off me because he had landed on top of my back and we were in the middle of nowhere. So I thought, I better go and find help. And in that moment, when I tried to move, I realized I was completely paralyzed from the waist down.
2: Do you remember any kind of almost sort of guttural scream like, no, it's not going to end this way?
0: Yeah, I remember because when we were falling, I was certain that we were about to die. I didn't yeah. think it was possible to survive that. And so I just remember feeling just this deep sense of longing and yearning to survive, which seems so obvious that you would feel that. But yeah. up until then, I'd just been a kind of i was kind of a pessimistic person and was just going through the with the flow through life and I didn't realize just how strong my will was to live and just how much it was that I still wanted to do. Mm. And I just thought, what a shame that I'm only realizing this when I only have 10 moment. seconds left to live. Yes, wow. And so even though, yeah, even though it wasn't um, a great experience to live through, obviously, and it's not, it's a pretty traumatic memory to have. I think I am glad that I was awake for the entire thing because it means that I do have that memory always with me, so I try to, you know, knowing how it feels to think you only have 10 seconds left to live and now getting the rest of my life, whatever that may be, Mm. I try to really live each day as best that I can and make the most of every moment.
1: Just one thing about sort of how it all came together that day, it was an extraordinary set of circumstances, like one in a billion um, for the way it all happened to come together for the parachutes to fail and it all to go wrong, right?
0: Yeah, I don't know if this has ever happened before and I was told afterwards that it just came down to one like one single second was the reason that it happened. Um, so basically, there's two parachutes in the instructor's backpack. There's the main parachute, which is obviously meant to come out when they pull it, and then there's an emergency parachute, which you wouldn't normally need, but it comes out automatically at a certain altitude if you're still falling too fast and the other parachute hasn't come out by a certain, by a certain time. Mm. And so my instructor forgot to wear his altimeter, which tells you how high you are. And so because of that, he pulled our parachute too late and the time that he pulled it happened to be the exact same time that the emergency parachute was coming out automatically. And so because they were coming out together, they got all tangled and wrapped together and the cords actually wrapped around the instructor's neck and strangled him. And so because he was unconscious for the entire fall, that's why he couldn't untangle them or cut away one of the parachutes or whatever they would normally do in that situation. So they just stay tangled and that's why we, wow.
1: we fell. One split yeah. second. Wow.
0: And you knew yeah. something
3: was wrong, Emma, but you couldn't, you couldn't see him. You couldn't tell he was unconscious. You just knew he wasn't responding to you.
0: Yeah, I had no idea. So I thought in the beginning that maybe – he just couldn't hear me over the wind and I imagined that he was doing everything he could to fix it. But as we got closer to the ground, I very quickly realized that, well, I didn't realize he was unconscious. I, did, I didn't even know if he was still attached to me, to mm-hmm. be honest. I, it all happened so fast and I couldn't, I couldn't move because my hair was also tangled in the parachute so I couldn't move my head. So I didn't know what was going on with him, but I knew for sure that we were going to crash. And
3: and Emma, you know, you talk in the book too about like when you're laying in hospital shortly after and obviously, you know, you've gone through a great deal, but you also say you have all these moments where you're like, I don't want to live. That must be so devastating when you have dark thoughts.
0: Yeah. And that was probably only the first week that I was in hospital. And again, it was just trying to come to terms with such a new reality so quickly i was really low and there were times where i wished that i hadn't survived and obviously now i'm very thankful that i have and thankful for everything that i've lived through but at the time it it was it was so scary being so young
2: um emma i ask you as as what have you learned from this experience what sort of person has it made you have you gone back and finished that skydive
0: uh i haven't i haven't skydived again i used to think that i that I really wanted to in order to close the chapter. I Mm -hmm. felt as though I needed to. But as time went on and I realized skydiving has nothing to do with my life now, you know, it was the first time I'd ever skydived. It's not like I was an avid skydiver and that was my passion. I, I really don't think, I don't feel the need to anymore. But if I ever found myself wanting to skydive again, because I do remember how much I loved it, in the initial stage before something went wrong, then I think I would do it for that reason, but I don't want to ever do it because I feel as though I need to.
1: Thanks for joining us. Um, there's so much more to this book that you, you really have to dive in and and, uh, and read. I mean, even the you know how you go through reconciling with your partner who ultimately you parted ways at such a traumatic time. And, um, yeah, just far out, Emma. We can't thank you enough for, for taking the time to share your story with us, and uh, we wish you all the best.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
1: You remember earlier this year that um, the great man, the GOAT, Roger Federer, retired.
2: She could have
0: stopped me long, long time ago, but she didn't. She kept me going and allowed me to play, so it's amazing. Thank you.
2: Lovely tribute to his mum
1: there. (laughs) It's amazing. It's It's (laughs) his wife. Who would have thought that that is the man who would have had that stellar career when um, when we've seen the picture that's popped up today, Kimber.
3: Oh, it's such a great picture. It's a 17-year-old Roger Federer in his bedroom, um, mm. and it's just someone's taken a photo of him, standard photo, him in his Nike jersey with his bleached blonde hair. Oh, bleach? really? you proper bleach bleach blonde. Bleached wow. blonde with the uh, very dark roots. But in his bedroom, um, apart from a number of trophies that you can already see at the age of 17... He's got himself a couple of Michael Jordan posters okay. on the walls and a Shaquille O'Neal and, of course, Pamela Anderson in her Baywatch get-up. Oh, what a um, mixture. And, and there's a little basketball hoop, a cowboy hat and a Macedonian flag. Really? <laughs> Because well, you know, your bedroom when you're that age yeah. is so significant. It's your space, yeah. isn't it? You know. Yeah. And my parents said, you can't put anything on the walls. And I was like, yes, we can. Blue tack a plenty." And I had Kurt Cobain posters everywhere and pieces of art that my friends had drawn and things like that. But it's part of your character.
1: Yeah, too, right. I had uh, heaps of – I had a real hodgepodge of random stuff uh, in my room um, up Did you on the walls. So I drew – a picture of Link from The Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time on one of my oh, well, okay. one of my out. <laughs> <Calm out. laughs> What a surprise! I had, so I had um, Alicia Silverstone.
2: Oh yes, yeah, in
1: her in her Batgirl costume. Okay, from the one where she they were in with George Clooney, and okay. um, so I had that. I had, uh, I had an Italian flag up in my oh. <laughs> I, I did have an Italian flag. Hey, up in a it's corner. good enough
3: for Roger Federer.
1: It's good enough for you. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's very true. And, uh, and a heap of other stuff that just, yeah, it was just all over the place. I mean, my bedroom today is just photos of me. But uh, back in the
2: day, <laughs> I, I had the uh, Manchester United and England captain, Brian Robson. Then, yeah. Big, long oh. photo. Yeah. Of him.
3: Who was your female? Because it sounds like every bloke here has had a woman on the wall as well. I
2: didn't. Have no, I had I had no. Brian Robson, yeah, oh, not even okay. the girl
3: from the Chico Roll ad.
2: Oh. No, but that that was the reason to go to the fish and chip
1: shop, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sitting astride the <laughs> motorcycle, the <Beckenham laughs> shops, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: I'd love to hear from people what you had on your walls. And, um, producer Rami, yeah, what did just, you have on you your wall at home?
1: Hey, producer Rami, can you turn your radio <laughs> down, please? <laughs> oh, Such <what> an <laughs> Bloody hell. My god, oh, no, sorry about that, guys. Um, I was obsessed with Hilary Duff. <laughs> And I thought that was normal, yes. and because you know she's hot, then I realised I was gay. Right? Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, there you go. So you know something <laughs> producer <laughs> Just a Insight
2: there into producer Rami. <laughs> Beautiful.
1: <laughs> Thank you, producer Rami. You can go back to listening to the radio now. Hmm. All right. Good. Good chat. Good chat, producer Rami. <laughs> um, we've got Nardine in Forestfield. Who do you have on your wall?
0: Uh, I had a great selection on my wall. I had Rick Springfield.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. George Michael. Mm-hmm.
0: Boy George. Boy George.
1: <laughs> in Culture Michael
0: Club. Jackson. Right. And David Hasselhoff.
1: What an eclectic mix <laughs> wow. that is, Nadine.
3: You've really hit every type of bloke there was. Yeah, the re- yeah <laughs> everyone's covered.
1: <laughs> every
3: every pigeonhole they could be in, you've got it.
1: Uh, Jamie Lee and Gossels, who do you have on your wall?
0: I had Nikki Webster when I was eleven.
3: Oh, of course you did. Nikki was like a bit of a hero for young girls, though, at the time, right?
0: Oh, definitely. That was my favourite song, "Strawberry Kisses." I just I knew every word to it when I was little.
1: Yeah, yeah. you enjoy this one, Jamie Lee. This is for you.
0: Uh, yay!
1: <laughs> what a week! What a week! What a week! What an easy old week.
2: The week in Perth, yeah. I've broken out the ukulele for this one. i on you, and it's all on the back of the budget. Now, as we always see with the budget, lots of numbers get thrown around, and I, I don't know. I don't know if they're doing a good job or not. I you don't know? know if they
1: know either. I don't
2: know if they know, and all I ask. Is that whatever side you are—Liberal, Labor, Greens, Shooters Party—I don't care what you know what your you know team is. Just lead with integrity and humanity. That's all any of us can ask. Oh, Albo and Jim Chalmers stayed up late crunching the numbers. So excited about their first federal budget, <laughs> they called it. Family friendly Who knew budgets could be cuddly Fiscal issues warm and fuzzy Yeah, that's it If you could knock a few cents off the fuel (laughs) And the price of Jimmy Beam It's pretty cruel could you help me help my kids attend a fully funded school? <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. How's the price of avocados and them vine ripened tomatoes and a pack of Monte Carlo's? What a drag! Cause I'm skimping on my heat and I'm recycling my wee wee. I'm reusing an already used tea bag. If you could knock a few bucks off me bills And give me access to some cheaper pills (laughs) If you could give me back my dignity And just not act like a dill That'd be cool That'd be cool Oh, I've concerns about the climate I've concerns about my retirement I've concerns about the Chinese getting mad If you could just lead with good morals, try hard not to bleach the corals and with China end the quarrels, that'd be rad. (laughs) If you could knock a few cents off the fuel and some cheaper power prices would be good. And if you went to private school, just don't act like you're from private school. (laughs) And that'd be cool. (laughs) Kimba. You
1: got uh, on a flight, Kimber. Sydney side. I did. Right, well, I came to Sydney.
3: Sydney to came to Sydney to see Moulin Rouge last night, the which musical. I'll report back on, of course. Mm. Yes, the musical, and it's been it was it was pretty epic, my goodness. But on the flight over, um, I mainly the flight went very quickly because I mainly spent the time reading Emma Carey's book, The Girl Who Fell from the Sky. Ah, mm. uh, right, a weird because thing since you're reading on a
1: flight. Yeah, I think. Well, so. <laughs> I was tossing it out there.
3: It's funny you say that because someone mentioned
1: it to me at the airport. They went, mm.
3: interesting choice, yeah. and I guess it doesn't look good when you're getting on a plane with a book like that. So no.
1: when people tell you that they watch, like, air crash investigations. On the that, flight. On the flight. Or the night, or the before. night before. Yeah, weird. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah.
2: Well, I
3: anyway. sort of figured that, like, I it didn't make me think. I thought, well, you know, if you're going to be on a plane and she can survive if she falls from the sky, maybe I've got that in, in store and I'll be okay. It's
2: basically a good news story. It was reassuring. <laughs> yeah. um,
3: so I I had read a fair bit of that book. Like I've I've just about, I mean, probably only a chapter away from finishing. It's just phenomenal. All right, book But I tried to have a little bit of a break and I was like, oh, well, why don't I just watch a little bit of entertainment for the last hour or so of the flight? And wow. I put on a TV series uh, called Shrill, which I'd seen the first season of. And I was like, I'll chuck on the first se- the second season so I can see a bit of it. And I was thoroughly enjoying it. Nice sort of short 20-minute eps kind of thing. So I I pushed through quite a few. And it wasn't until as the captain was going, okay, we're about to land. This is that last sort of chat that they do. Um, And they paused the screen that it occurred to me that I had been watching on my iPad for all to see a lot of heavy petting. Like oh, I
2: had been be petty, watching, right.
3: like, I reckon if I looked back at how many scenes I had seen in just those episodes, I think that maybe I, it was a minimum of four, minimum of four scenes where it was like clothes off and a whole heap of action. And ah. I'm just merrily watching it on the plane with yeah. everyone around me. And it, and I mean, A, it was provided as in-flight entertainment. So yeah, well, that's I feel life. like I was led down a garden path. But also how many people were watching me just thinking I'm a total bag? Well you m- know. <laughs> Maybe after
2: the book you were reading you need a bit of life affirming stuff to look at too. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was
2: life affirming, very life affirming. Very affirming, yes. <laughs> Pete Madden Kimber. Now, my friends, it's out. Uh, and, of course, before I give you the uh, results of this list, uh, the publication wants to make it clear that whilst this used to be the list of the most beautiful, sexy people on the planet, uh-huh. it's mm-hmm. now Australia's most influential women. I'm talking about the Maxim's Hottest 100.
0: He's a classic it's-
2: love this song. Now, before the boss gets on the blower <laughs> and says, Matt, what have I told you about using songs from 1912? I did say that that was an old one. Chrissy everyone... Allen's
1: not in the, t- the most influential mm. one. No, for no. Oh, my,
2: kidding.
3: my concern is not about that. It's just that you were, the w- lyrics were, he's my number one, and this is meant to be about a list of influential women, oh, isn't sorry, it? Sorry, Kimber, I don't see gender. I, I, <laughs>
2: so that, Apparently mm. you do, so there you go. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at number one, uh, one of the most powerful women in entertainment who's mm. Brains and beauty make her the complete package. Of course, I thought it was Kimber. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, it turns out it's bloody Margot Robbie. Are you joking? For the third time. Oh my god! Yeah, but right. some interesting, interesting ones. Yeah. Um, I don't know how how people feel about. I'm sure it's a, an honour to get on the list. Uh, but you know, when you think about most influential women, uh, mm. Penny Wong, our foreign minister mm. at 97, mm-hmm. 97 right, okay. so right, right way down the list at 47 so mm. about halfway is the cast of married at first sight the cast <laughs> <laughs> so you go to uni you end up being the foreign minister of our country and you still can't top the cast of
1: married at first sight well i suppose I mean, what she can take uh, away is that it took a collective of women that's true to beat that her. is true oh
3: yeah. but being influential is it, it's not the same anymore is it mm. like Influential used to mean something until we had influence as, a, as an occupation.
2: Penny yeah, Wong's true. got to start like doing selfies when she's at those really important things at the Pentagon. Going, here's me in the Pentagon. It's really cool. <laughs> Look at this great room I'm in. Uh, uh, top ten: uh, Marga, Robbie, Sam Kerr at number two, Ash Barty, uh, Abby Chatfield, our very own at number ten. The nice. only person I didn't recognise. is a few other sports people in there. Ducky thought. Ducky thought. T H O T T. Yes, Ducky Thought. Ducky. Should I, I mean, know who that is? And I'm well, sorry that it I don't. Feels like something you should have looked up before Ducky now. But oh. how dare you? <laughs> Margot Robbie wouldn't say that to me. She's got 1.3 million followers. Oh, there you oh, go.
1: Supermodel. Yeah, right. Supermodel. There you go.
2: Oh, that's. I have read her book, To Thought or Not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: was the Pete, Matt and Kimber podcast for ABC Blinds October sale on now
1: next 94.5